Hey guys, on this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast, we're going to talk about three short stories that have kind of been percolating here in the automotive segment. Uh, first up is the new Skyactive X powertrain from Mazda, uh, kind of setting the world on fire with a new way to handle gasoline engines. Uh, after that, a quick rundown of some of the things on the new Nissan Leaf and some personal concerns I have with the car. And lastly, a car that's been on my mind and hopefully it may soon be on yours, the Pontiac GTO. All that and maybe a little bit more coming up on this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. First up, a little story for the automotive engineering fans out there. Uh, we're talking about the new Mazda uh, engine platform, the Skyactive X. Uh, if you guys have been paying attention at all to what Mazda's been doing over not just even the past 10 years, the last 50 years, they've really done a lot of different thinking when it comes to powertrains. They've had the Wankel rotary engine that they kind of pioneered in the late 70s, um, although you can definitely say that GM did some work too, but they were the first and really only company to put them into street vehicles. Uh, that really continued up through the 1980s, the 90s, uh, carried even through all the way to the early mid-2000s with the RX-8, but not much has been done with the Wankel since then. Mazda then went on to do more things with direct injection. Uh, they were one of the first to offer it in street vehicles in the mid-late 2000s, uh, especially with the Mazda CX-9 crossover SUV. They also have been one of the first companies to really tinker a lot with turbocharging as that started to come in vogue in the past couple of years. Mazda really has a clever way of doing a lot of stuff, and as they separated from Ford and have gotten a little bit smaller and had to be more careful with their time and money, they've been doing different things with their chassis, with their engines, with their transmissions to try to be more fun, more fuel efficient, and just altogether just a great car company. So Skyactiv-X is taking a lot of what they've learned from the Skyactiv-G, uh, the gasoline engine developments, and the Skyactiv-D, diesel developments, and combining them together to create a gasoline engine that essentially runs like a diesel engine, where by removing the spark plugs, uh, they're using compression to detonate the air and fuel mixture inside the cylinders, and overall, it generally creates a little more torque, a little more fuel economy, um, and Mazda is certainly saying that that's the case. Apparently, this setup is going to take that basic design, uh, think of a diesel engine, but with gasoline, uh, it will still have spark plugs, so once the engine reaches a higher RPM, it'll switch over to spark plug use instead of relying just on the high compression. But it will also have a supercharger to supplement some power, which kind of has me wondering how much power the thing actually makes. They say that it's going to be a good bit more than what the current gasoline and diesel engines make, but at the same time, fuel economy is also going to increase by 20 to 30%. So there's a lot of questions as to what the usability of this is going to be, I think short term, because we don't really know a whole lot about how this powertrain is actually going to work in use. But Mazda also says that this is going to be on the streets within the next two to three years, which is really exciting as somebody who is always looking to see what the new engineering exercise is going to be. But at the same time, it leaves a lot of questions, um, you know, and it has me wondering what kind of applications this is going to really have going forward. Mazda has said that this could be something that they would adapt to the new Winkle setup, their new rotary setup for a potential future sports car. 
I definitely think that this could be a good pairing with the Toyota Hybrid Synergy Drive system, especially as their partnership with Toyota continues to grow. Uh, what do you guys think? Feel free to drop me a line here on Anchor FM or uh, tweet at me on Twitter at YSSMAN. Thank you. Next up, a short little bit on the uh, leaked information on the 2018 Nissan Leaf. Uh, those of you who are fans of the EV segment know that the Nissan Leaf has been a very uh, good entry into the EV market. Uh, Nissan really deserves a lot of credit for making an EV car that is acceptable for a wide variety of people. Um, the early Leafs, I believe, started rolling out in 2011 here in the U.S., um, offered a pretty decent 70 to 80 mile range um, in a car that, give or take, with incentives, cost around 30 grand. Um, they were the first to kind of hit that market where the large swath of buyers were, and they've been relatively successful. Um, up until the launch of the Volt, and when the Volt really went nationwide, they were the leading seller of EV vehicles here in the U.S., and, you know, they've always been pretty competitive, despite kind of falling behind a lot of the competition. So this new Leaf has got a lot to worry about. We've got the Tesla Model 3 that I talked about last week. We've also got the Chevrolet Volt, which I always love to mention. Um, and you've got a lot of other EV, hybrid, more fuel-efficient gasoline and diesel vehicles available that all kind of have a lot of people questioning whether or not the viability of the LEAF can really continue in the face of everything. Well, this new LEAF uh, looks to be a more interesting uh, entry into the market. Um, priced at around $30,000 to start before any federal, state, and local incentives, uh, this new EV looks to be somewhat of a value leader in this segment. Um, it's packing more power in its powertrain, jumping up to 147 horsepower, and it has a larger battery, albeit a good bit smaller than what Chevrolet and Tesla have to offer. Tesla, apparently on their long-range model, is going to have somewhere around 80 to 85 kilowatts capacity. I believe the Bolt is somewhere north of 60. This uh, Leaf is going to be perhaps a little bit smaller than that, or somewhere around there. It's, it's going to be less range no matter what. So a lot of people kind of question what Nissan's got is the upside here. Obviously, the price is going to be that. They are going to have a few more safety equipment options that are going to be available on lower trim models, which Chevy only locks away on the premier trim of the Bolt. Uh, you know, the Tesla has a lot of that, but like I said last week, to get a lot of those things on the Tesla, you're looking at a $50,000 car instead of a mid $30,000 car for the Chevy, or at least in the terms of the Nissan, Low mid-high 20s, low 30s uh, with all of the federal tax incentives. So, does that make it a good car? Yes and no. Um, it really looks like this car is going to be a little bit bigger, a little bit more sporty, especially in terms of design. It looks a little bit like it's aping some of the styling from the new Nissan Murano and the updated Rogue with the floating rear roof. Um, it looks like it's got a little bit more of an aggressive front and side profile. Overall, it looks a little bit more like a car, which I think is really the greatest problem with the current Leaf, is that it still looks like a spaceship, even though it's been around for what feels like a decade. Uh, overall, you know, my other biggest concern with the Leaf is that it's got Nissan technology inside it. Um, Nissan really seems to be lagging behind a lot of its competitors by not adopting the Android Auto and Apple CarPlay systems on the inside. Uh, just the same, 
yeah, Bluetooth works, but it's not when it's not baked into the system and you're stuck with Nissan's terrible Garmin-based electronics suite, overall, you're left wondering, why did I spend $30,000 on this car and not give or take the same amount of money for the Chevrolet Volt next door? But not everybody is into that, and I think that's really going to be a case where younger people expect more, older folks are happy to do with less. All what it really comes down to is really what the range ends up being like. If this Nissan can get anywhere close to 200 miles, like what the Bolt has, I think it's going to be a very simple success for them, especially at that lower price point. But with the smaller battery capacity, and given the Leaf's current performance issues, yes, they're better than what they used to be, but still they lack a lot of the attention that Chevy's had for battery cooling, temperature control, things like that, where they're performance losses and high and low temperatures is less. Nissan has a little bit more variability in that. Um, I think, you know, if we're looking at 150, 175 miles, maybe even 180 miles, it's still a pretty good value compared to the Chevrolet's 230. So we'll see what happens. But hopefully it'll all work out well. Last up, a little car that's been on my mind. Maybe not so little of a car. Uh, it is the last Pontiac GTO, the fourth generation Pontiac GTO, the uh, import of the Holden Monaro that we got in the U.S. from 2004 to 2006. Uh, it might be just because it's car season time here in Michigan, uh, but we've, I've seen three, maybe four, maybe even more of these GTOs out on the street in the past couple of days. It's a car that really easily falls into my mind and kind of stays for a while and then completely disappears. And I think that's kind of the same problem that the car had while it was on the market. Keep in mind that this was a time frame when the Camaro, the last Camaro uh, that we had before this current one, died in 2002. GM went two years without a high-performance V8 uh, car, aside from the Corvette, on their main line to fight the Mustang. The, mice, the Mustang at that point in time was about a year away from getting its big revamp to what we have today. Um, we were in a time where the SVT Cobra was basically the king of the road with its supercharged V8 and its independent rear suspension still based on that old Fox body that dated to the 1980s. And so here GM was rolling out this high-performance coupe that Bob Lutz loved so much from Australia. Uh, and it was a car that really kind of landed with a thud. It really didn't go anywhere, and it's incredibly disappointing, and it's disappointing to kind of think about today because it could have done so much more for the company if people would have adopted it. Uh, you know, it was a car that had a really well-engineered platform despite having its bones based on a late 90s design from Opel. Um, it was a car that shared some of its bits and bobs with the Cadillac Atera, which also completely flopped here in the United States. Um, I mean, it was just a car that just handled well, it rode well, it had a really well-sorted V8. Um, pick your poison from the Corvette here. You had either the uh, LS1 or you had the later LS2, um, which is the 6-liter V8 that the C6 initially debuted with. Uh, you had a car that had that really well-sorted Tremec uh, 6-speed manual gearbox. You had a interior that had really plush and well-appointed leather seats with a very clear and easily operatable dashboard. You had a car that was just incredibly lauded for performance in Australia, in Europe, in the UK, here in the US, and yet it went nowhere. 
And it's just shocking that this car came here and did so poorly. And, you know, part of that was probably because, one, it did look like a very large Chevy Cavalier. Two, it was priced out of competition with a lot of other muscle cars in its range. And three, you know, it was a trying time for the U.S. economy. Uh, the housing crisis was starting to ramp up. Uh, we had a lot of jobs that were going away. We had prices for gasoline starting to rise. And, you know, it's no wonder that the car only lasted three years. Um, but it's really a situation where the car lasted for three years here in the U.S., and then GM altogether didn't replace the car anywhere else. We only got the four-door sedans that eventually became the Zeta G8, um, which also didn't last very long, which eventually created the Chevy SS here in the U.S., which didn't last very long. Uh, so it was kind of a car that was of its time, and it was a very short time, and it's sad to see it go, and sad to see that it never really had a true follow-up, perhaps aside from the current Camaro that we have today. But... Uh, what do you guys think? Is that Pontiac GTO something worth remembering? Something to look into picking up? Uh, feel free to drop me a line here on Anchor or uh, let me know on Twitter at YSSMAN. Thanks, guys. All right, guys. Well, that just about does it for this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. Uh, today is, what, uh, August 9th? 2017th who knows if i'll do another one this week or if it'll be next week or whatever we're still figuring this whole system out if you guys have any feedback for me feel free to drop me a line here on anchor fm or uh hit me up on twitter at yssman really enjoy doing these things and tinkering with the setup of everything uh it's been a lot of fun uh anyway guys i hope you guys drive safe have a great week do whatever you got to do to have a good life and we'll talk to you guys soon